Hey everyone, we're back with another week, another episode of the Find Your Film Podcast. This is episode Bruce Berkey. What episode number is it? 134. 134, 134, 134. We've been doing this quite a bit. We have four films this week. The Justice of Bunny King. We'll be doing spoilers on that film as well. Hopefully, Bruce and Eric like really enjoy this movie, as I, I really enjoyed it. I did not see this movie called The Enforcer. No, it's not the Clint Eastwood movie with him as Dirty Harry. It's another movie. Who knows? It might be really good. Bruce and Eric have seen it. They're going to tell me whether to watch this Antonio Banderas headlined film. I think Bruce Porky kept on texting me, or was it sexting me stuff, like saying five-star banger, and then he said the enforcer i don't know what that's about who knows hold me tight that's something that uh, both bruce and eric want to do with me during the week but it might be something else it might be some kind of pretentious drama eric holmes hold me tight did you want to hold the movie tight after watching this how did you want- i always want to hold you tight greg thank you what about this movie did you want to wrap it would you want to wrap it around a pole or, or your arms after watching this movie teaser we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there oh oh that does oh we're gonna talk about that when we get there we're also gonna b- talk about young plato a movie about philosophy set in north belfast holy Cross Boys School. Eric, has it been a really good week just getting into the Young Plato universe? Oh yeah, that, yeah, definitely. I, I will spoil this. I, I love this movie. I, I love the people in this movie, and uh, this was oh documentary if you want to call it that, but yeah. whatever. I, I think there's a, I think there's a lot of good to be had for anyone watching this, and I, I think a hallmark of a documentary, a, a couple of them. One is to find, uh, learn something you didn't know before, and the other is to uh, maybe enrich your life in a certain way. Yeah, I think this thing does both. Yeah, it does both. It's documentaries about empathy, nonviolence, instructing the younger generation, as well as learning from them, keeping that dialogue open, a really open-hearted documentary, a lot of great things, wonderful things to say about life, which is exactly why I hated the documentary. So we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Sorry about that. You Bruce, you and I, <laughs> Bruce, you and I both hated this. It was such a good documentary, right? Espousing so many good virtues, right? People. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then we're going to have some recommends. Eric, you went out to the theaters, and you're going to tell us about a couple movies you saw over the theaters. You've been busy. Has it been a good movie-going experience spending your hard-earned money watching these movies? It's been a dense week. I, I will say that. Dense week. Okay, yeah. it's been a dense week watching And I, I, I'll, we will cover a lot of the movies this week. We will not cover all the movies I saw this week. We're not going to cover. There's been a bunch. Okay. Yes, that would be the Find Your Film podcast reconstructed cut. If Eric talked about all of the (laughs) movies he he talked about, that was the reconstructed cut is a reference to our recent hodgepodge, which will be up this week with the podcast feed. We talk about, we review the Big Red One, the theatrical version, as well as the reconstructed cut, whether it's worth uh, renting it on digital or or purchasing it even. So Bruce and Eric spearhead that review. Also, you're going to check out our, um, not ours, Eric Holmes' interview with young Plato's who, Eric, who, are you, who did you interview this week? I was uh, the the director, NASA, and the... Uh, Kevin McCarney, right? Kevin McAreevy. Mac- Kevin McAreevy. He is a teacher in this North Belfast yeah. school. He's also the principal. Holy cross for boys McCarvey? in North Belfast. McAreevy. Uh, that's specific. Kevin McAreevy. Very, very good. Sorry, Kevin McAreevy for I, that. I, 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 I probably got both versions wrong, but it, he, he, which sucks because he's a great guy. Well, look, you know who else is in this documentary? We're going to give it away right now. There's Aristotle, there's Plato. Who else? Bruce, who, who else is in this documentary? Uh, Nietzsche? Uh, yeah. Nietzsche? Yeah, Nietzsche wouldn't teach you with the raising of the wrist. I think that's how it goes <laughs> if you're a Monty Python fan. <laughs> a lot of philosophy in young Plato, but don't, don't let that dissuade you if you are not into philosophy. It doesn't really matter because what are you showing – uh, what are you showing Eric Holmes? Oh, you're showing a philosophy thing, like a little school uh, kid? Sort of philosophy. 
a sort of philosophy. That means you are a you are a philosophy stand. You are philosoph- philosophy enthusiast. Eric Holmes, do you love philosophy? Is no, that a TCB? That's uh, Elvis. Oh, El- Elvis. Oh, and Elvis. El- Elvis is well represented in Young Plato. Elvis Press. Elvis Presley is really well represented in Young Plato. We will be getting to that very very shortly. That's a very excellent documentary. That is giving. I know that's giving too much away, but definitely. Look up Google Young Plato. See if it's playing in your neighborhood, your neck of the woods, most likely in September 30th. But we'll get to that shortly. But let's let's uh, catch up. Bruce, what have you been doing last week? Anything that you want to report? Uh, you, you, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, other than watching movies and working. And I, I did go see one movie in the theater. I went and saw Pearl. So we'll quickly mention that. I would mention that I got there. There was me, the only person in the theater. Then a group of really rowdy people showed up. And they were all talking a lot during the first 10 minutes. And then at the end, they'd been silent for the last 30, 40 minutes. And at the end, this one girl yelled out, I thought this was going to be about some lady dancing. <laughs> and I, was like, <laughs> I apologize, Bruce. That was actually me. I was trolling you that night. And uh, yeah, you'll get to tell if, if, if Pearl's any good, if it's actually wor- worth watching in the theaters, especially if you have a rowdy group of moviegoers along with you. Is it worth all that distraction? So we have a lot. To, uh, Eric, your last week of life okay you did interviews for for this wonderful movie for this wonderful documentary young Plato. but what else have you done last week you've seen, seen a lot of movies what anything else you want to plug promote, uh, et cetera? yeah i did uh yeah i did a bunch of well i did a marathon the other day with uh movies we'll talk about during the recommend and uh one i won't because you know whatever uh but uh <laughs> um oh I, I, I believe uh bruce and i Maybe going on uh, the Force Five podcast here pretty soon. Uh, we'll talk about more about that when it when it comes up. Force Five and, podcast that's hosted by Jason Kleberg. It's a yep. top five. Uh, what the you know not every week, like once every two weeks or something like that. He has different really reputable cinephiles host uh, yeah, to he, co-host the show. And uh, the thing Bruce and I are doing, uh, it's kind of a new idea that he has uh, that he kind of wants to introduce. It sounds really fucking fun. Okay, <laughs> I can't wait to get in that. And then I, I got, lo- and then I got my own shit, uh, which will uh, we'll, we'll see how that fails in the future. So, uh, oh, we'll see how that fails. You know, it's okay to fail. I, I'm I'm learning a lot from young Plato. It's okay to fail. No one's no one's right. We have to listen to each other, right, Bruce? We have to listen to each other's philosophies and respect it. Correct. I'm sorry. What? what you <laughs> oh, yeah, very very good, Bruce. I, I need to do that comedy drum fill yet again. But yeah, you know what's interesting about the Force Five film podcast, Force Five podcast, headlined by Jason Kleberg. I am surprised that both Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes from Find Your Film Podcast will be an upcoming guest on Jason's show because I've DM'd him, I've messaged him a, a, countless times and say, if you want your show to continue to succeed, Jason, do not have Bruce or Eric on your show. And it's, are you sure that he said he accepted Bruce? What do you think? Well, it, uh, I can't tell you, but we are going to be talking about you. Like the subject okay. is you for the whole episode. <laughs> that will get zero listens, negative 3,000 listens. Okay, so I look for Bruce and Eric on Jason Kleber's Force 5 Film Podcast or Force 5 Podcast, however you want to say it. I like to say Force 5 Film Podcast or Force 5 Podcast, you know, whatever. But yeah, they're going to be up in a couple couple weeks and it'll be some really good ideas. I'm really excited. I'm all about failure. I want to hear what Eric Holmes is going to be failing at very, very soon as well. But now let's get to our featured reviews. Let's start off with a movie that I did not watch and it's funny. Because this is the movie that actually Bruce saw, what, a week ago? Whenever we get these links, Bruce just immediately downloads a link and just gives me complete anxiety. The Enforcer, out of all four movies, is the one movie I really wanted to see. I Honestly, I put it off until the last minute. And what happens? You, I screwed up and I wasn't able to watch it. Now, I, I the only thing I know is I believe it stars Kate Bosworth and Antonio Banderas. I think Antonio Banderas 
is a hitman who's trying to go good, or maybe he sees something. He he gets involved in some kind of he gives advice to a woman or something and doesn't go well. I saw the trailer and he's trying to actually do right. Um, Bruce, what is the Enforcer about? Is it about karma? Is it an action thriller? Is it a movie? Is it actually a movie? <laughs> it is a movie. Uh, it is definitely an action thriller. This is one of those movies, and, I, and Eric has said this a few times about movies he's watched, and I was in this driver's seat on this one. I was probably 30 minutes in before I was like, oh, fuck. That's a uh, – oh, sorry. Oh, dang. Uh, you, can, you can use – we're, we're not a family. We're not a family show. We're not a family. You can you say what you can say. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, darn. Uh, this – that's Antonio Banderas. Oh my gosh, that's him. <laughs> I did not recognize that it was him for like at least 30 minutes. But okay, oh so gosh. I'll give you the basic setup here. It starts out and you've got this young guy uh, that goes by the name Stray. And he is like street fighting and he's fighting some huge guy and he almost gets beaten to death on the street and they're having like a, you know, people are betting on it and everything. Illegal street fighting. And uh, he, of course, comes back and ends up getting the guy. And Antonio Banderas' character, who is Kuda, because he drives a Barracuda, uh, Kuda is off at the side and he says, you know, I think we found our guy. You know, so he he takes him under his wing and takes him back to Estelle, who is uh, Kate Bosworth, who's kind of the head of this little crime syndicate of some sort. And, she, and he basically says, you know, come with me. We're going to go on a job. And they go on a job together. And... He's kind of an enforcer, obviously, for that little crime syndicate. And that's kind of the basic setup for the beginning of the movie. Uh, and I personally, we'll see what Eric thinks. The first 20 or 30 minutes, I thought this is going to be super, super gritty, like straight ahead exploitation crime movie. And I was digging the vibe. It was really, it was really going for it. And uh, I actually really, really liked Antonio Banderas's performance in this movie as well. I, I, this is one of those movies you could see as like a checkout movie. You know, you get all these like, you know, we talked about with um, Bruce Willis, you know, now there's other reasons maybe, but those kind of um, actors at a certain point in their life kind of doing a lot of these roles, but not really trying very hard. I feel like he's really trying hard in this movie. And I really liked the character he was playing. Uh, and then it gets into some subplots and the actual driving force of the, of the story, which involves finding this runaway girl and some other stuff that's going on. And, and it gets a little more tropey at that point, but um, overall I had a good time with it. Uh, not a great, not as great a time as I thought I was going to have with it after 20 minutes, I was really thought this is going to just be a straight ahead apprenticeship into crime family. And like, it was just going to be this hard boiled thing all the way through and it didn't quite go there, but then it kind of redeemed itself towards the end and, and went back to there. So uh, I'll be curious to see what Eric thinks. Did you think zero minutes into this movie, the fact that it ended up being a good movie for you, was that a pleasant surprise? Meaning you were expecting a waste of your time before when you started the film? Yeah. I mean, uh, this kind of movie, I don't expect to be anything. Honestly, when I see him, I'm like, oh boy, another one of these movies is just going to be not my cup of tea. But after 20 minutes, I thought, oh my God, this might be my favorite movie of the week. So it kind of disappointed me a little bit after the fact. So it kind of went back down again, but it didn't, it, it, overall, it was still a surprise to me that okay. it was a pretty good movie. And Very I think cool. you would maybe like it even better because it's a little more in your wheelhouse than my wheelhouse. You know what oh. I mean? Is it in Eric Holmes's wheelhouse because he's a Scott Atkins guy? You you give a little bit of extra love to these type of films, Eric Holmes. Did you like it as much as Bruce Berkey? Oh yeah. In fact, the, this uh, when I was watching this, um, when Antonio Banderas showed up, I was thinking to myself, "What was the last Antonio Banderas movie I saw?" 
I forgot that I fucking love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the first movie that I saw that like, I really recognized who he was, was probably Desperado. And I'm like, this guy's the coolest person on the planet. Um, and then like, I, I think probably it was like the Puss in Boots or the Shrek stuff. Like, you know, I, I kind of fell off on him, uh, shortly after that. And I, I, it's been years, I think. I'd, I'd have to look up his IMDb, but it's been a long time since I've seen an Antonio Banderas movie. And just watching this was, just reminded me, it's like, oh, yes, he is the coolest guy on the planet. <laughs> so that that was kind of fun. What about this the shift was, in tone? The shift in tone that Bruce mentioned, did the shift make you um like didn't get less? much of a shift in tone. I got a shift in uh, uh, not so much tone, but shift in, I guess, plot. Yeah, that's uh, because, actually more accurate. Yeah, because like I thought that it was going to be like a one type of movie, and then it turned into a different type of movie. But like tone wise, they're similar. Just plot wise, they're different. Um, it went from uh, what what what's the fighter guy's name? Stray. Stray. I thought it was going to be his movie, and then about halfway, third of the way or so, it turned into Antonio Banderas's movie. And which, was that okay? Is that okay? You know, oh yeah, just- yeah, I was totally fine with that. Um, I will say one thing that one thing that bugged me about this. And this isn't going to bug most people, but I'll give a I'll give a quick tip to screenwriters. Um, there's a scene where uh, Stray fixes Antonio Banderas's car, and he says <laughs> it's it's either the uh, ignition or it's the starter engine. I, I think he says starter engine. <laughs> starter <Okay>. engine. <laughs> One, if it's ignition, you, you turn the ignition, the key. You turn the key. That's the ignition. Work. That's the ignition switch. If it doesn't work, it doesn't go. It doesn't do anything because it's broken. If you're going to do the scene and they turn the key, don't do the don't do the sound of the car trying to start trying to turn over. Just have nothing happen. I don't know what's wrong with my car. Oh, it's your ignition. Ignition switch will switch that out, or have them turn it and it's not starting and it goes click 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 click. Oh yeah, that's your starter, not your starter engine. Your starter, and then they go in with either a hammer or a uh, or a uh, screwdriver. I'm a mechanic; I know these things. <laughs> so just go in with a hammer or something hard to hit the starter, because a lot of times in your starter you'll build up a bunch of corrosion there, and when you hit it, it knocks out the corrosion. You can't use it for a long time, but it'll get you to wherever you're going, and then you change your starter later. So if you're a screenwriter and you're writing the scene where someone needs to fix a car, just have them turn the key, click noises happen. Oh, that's your starter. Hit your starter a couple times with a hammer or a rock or something hard to kind of you know jostle the corrosion loose. And then, okay, turn the key. Just keep turning the key and then keep hitting it, and then eventually the car will start. And then you have that exact same scene, but it's accurate. Okay, screenwriter uh, W. Peter Illiff, if you're listening to Eric Holmes, I hope no, you they, this. no. This goes to all screenwriters. Oh, all screenwriters. This, this, okay. This is this is not. This was something that a screenwriter wrote because they didn't know. Which you know that that's fine. I, I'm just saying this. This happens in a lot of movies, and this is the easiest fix in the world. Just do yes. what I say, and then do that in your movie, and it'll be fine. I, I don't know anything about cars, but I will try to tie this in. 
it possibly if you if you like the enforcer i can't wait to see this movie speaking of which is not the you know he's giving eric holmes is really good giving some really good advice as a mechanic but there's a movie called the mechanic starring charles bronson and jan michael vincent which is also another awesome movie that down the line we should definitely cover on find your film podcast the aforementioned jason kleberg loves that movie by the way the mechanic i don't know i think you guys might have seen the remake which which stars jason statham and also ben foster the remake which is the mechanic so no but that's this is not the mechanic this is the enforcer which yes eric holmes i i was gonna say and this is another tip for screenwriters uh with that scene as it happens so we're trying to turn over and it's not turning over a lot of times the battery connections are either corroded or not connected real well and you can just kind of like tighten it up or maybe twist it around and get better connection on the battery. And then all of a sudden the car starts, but uh, these are all, these are all common things in movies that if you're writing it, those are just some tips. And yes. Okay. And, and, and I, I like to think this uh, podcast likes to help people sometimes. I, I think this is value added for certain people. I, you know, they would get, we're going to get into philosophies, but I think not. I don't like to help people in this podcast, but <laughs> thankfully we have someone like Eric Holmes giving some really sage wisdom on all things, body shop and cars and life itself. Do you give any good advice regarding life or anything, Bruce, in this podcast? No, no, no good advice. Okay, nothing. very good. That's not really cool that you said that, but I, mean, I think you do. I think you're a really value-added person. You know why? Before we get to why you're a value-added person, a human being, let's get to a rating for The Enforcer. Eric Holmes, your rating on The Enforcer, by the way, which hits theaters September 23rd, but if you're like me and you don't like leaving the house, you can actually purchase it, rent it on demand. So what's your rating, Eric Holmes? I think this falls into three-star banger. Uh, th- this is kind of one of those movies that if you're in for this kind of movie, you're going to love it. And if you're not, you're just going to be like, fuck this movie. Um, I, other than the other than that car rant that I went on, I, I, I really kind of like this one. But um this probably is not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but I'm going three-star banger on this one. Okay, cool. Bruce, your rating on The Enforcer. Well, I'm a little lower only because the middle third dipped a little bit too much for me in the story, and it didn't quite keep that momentum that the first and the third and the last third had. But that being said, I would still recommend it um, as just a three-star for me. Three stars. Good. Three stars. Okay, Which so for me is pretty good on this kind of movie because I <laughs> a lot of times I'll go two or one. I'm just not usually for me. So that's probably if you like action movies, that puts it up into four star for you guys. So I I, I don't know. This feels like a four star film for me. We'll see what I, what I say once I review The Enforcer. But right now, the most important part is Eric, three star banger for The Enforcer and Bruce, three stars for The Enforcer, which hits theaters September 23rd as well as on demand. The reason why Bruce Berkey is a value added person is because you know, there's times when there are very esoteric films out there, and he'll move, he'll just champion films like The Ascent, or you know, he loves Maya Darren's work. He loves a lot of esoteric movies that just deal with sometimes nonlinear narratives. We're getting to this movie called Hold Me Tight, headlined by Vicky Creeps. And I look, there is this, I feel like this movie should have been a Greg movie with its indie driven philosophical thing. And I'm guessing right now, Eric Holmes, this was not his cup of tea. I, I can, I can guess right now that he might be struggling to give Hold Me Tight three stars. The premise of this movie centers on the aforementioned Vicky Creeps. She plays a wife and mother of, she's a, she's a mom, seemingly happy, of two kids, seemingly happy. Well, not really that happy because the opening moments, you see her in the middle, in the din of night, she drives away from her family. She goes on a road trip. She takes a family car. She leaves. She leaves her kids. She leaves her husband. And that's where the movie of Hold Me Tight starts. You think she is a woman who does not care for her family. She just wants to a little bit of freedom. 
she goes on a road trip. The rest of the movie deals with, is this woman, again, played by Vicky Creeps, is she actually going on a road trip? Or is she reconstructing things via her imagination? Or is she has does she have a grip on reality? What's going on with her actual family? What are there time jumps? Are there, why does, do these kids, they look young in one sense. There's a young girl playing a piano, but but look, it'll cut to her maybe looking, she's not seven or eight anymore. She looks like she's 15 or 16. What's going on here? There's a lot of what's going on here in Hold Me Tight because the linear, the narrative feels like something, rest in peace, Jean Le Godard. It feels like a very French inspired, French New Wave inspired kind of movie where a lot of things are all over the place, really interesting editing and visuals. And it's really a domestic drama, which is, but it's a gumbo pot kind of narrative. I don't know whether it's going to hook a lot of people. I have one major complaint for this movie and that probably, uh, and I'm going to get to that complaint in a second. Let's start off with Bruce Perky. Your thoughts on Hold Me Tight. I'm thinking, who knows? Maybe, maybe it actually seduced you and you absolutely love this movie. Okay. Well, first of all, on the good side of things, uh, I don't think Vicky Creeps can do any wrong. I, 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 I will watch her in any movie, even if I love it or hate it or whatever it is. I definitely, I, I, she, there's something about her. She is. To me, she is just magnificent in pretty much everything she does. So yes. that that's out of the gate. Um, she puts her all in this movie and does it great. And it looks really good. My biggest problem with this movie is that it's trying to play in a similar space. It's not the same story or the same reason that things are happening, but it's trying to kind of play in a similar space as Petite Mama. It's kind of trying to do some little tricks there and, and really get to an emotional core of something that's going on. Whereas Petite Mama is like, magical i think i think this movie kind of misses the boat in some ways for me as well and we're not going to spoil certain things but you kind of hinted around it as well there's a basic there's a basic fact of something that's happening in this movie which i feel is revealed at about the halfway point maybe even a little less than the halfway point i don't know if the movie thinks it's revealing that till the end i'm not quite positive it has to I think it has to as well, but I feel like it's kind of a mistake the way it's put together because the problem is it's a huge once, mistake. Once it's revealed to us at about the halfway yep. point, if you're paying attention, I think it is revealed to you, and you might get kind of lost and not catch it. But once you know that, the rest of the movie is kind of like it's kind of a so what to me. It's kind of a okay, this person's doing this stuff and this stuff is happening, but it doesn't really mean anything. I'm not going to say why it doesn't mean anything, but it kind of doesn't mean anything. And the emotional resolution we're supposed to be getting to at the end is kind of also an obvious thing. It's kind of like, okay, I know that's where this is going. And it goes there and it kind of just happens. Uh, and it's also foreshadowed at the very opening of the movie as well. It was kind of unsatisfying. I, I, I would give it a mild, mild recommend because pretty much for the performance of Vicky Creeps, I would say if you are into this kind of movie, there's some to be something to be gathered there, but it's only a very mild recommend. I will say this, Vicky Creeps gives, I think, one of the best performances I've seen this year. Okay, yeah. she's oh, yeah. so she's so good in this movie, and uh, I totally agree with you. This is at the very top a mild recommend recommendation based on her performance, yeah. and what they reveal midway through is a huge fail in my part because yeah. it's like watching water water drips water drops on your counter on your kitchen counter slowly evaporate for the next 40 minutes yep. it's just <laughs> yep. oh it's really boring and because oh, and lots of piano playing too let's just get that out of the gate if you want to hear people play piano forever it's the whole movie 
Well, in fairness, I I like the piano playing. I, I'm yeah. a huge fan. You know, I like the music. The ending sequence, which Bruce alludes to being it having some kind of resolution, it's great. It's actually a great resolution when you put the puzzle together. I really like where the resolution went, but the way it's executed is sorry about that. That's my iPhone. The way it's executed is so anticlimactic because of what happens in the middle and the actual execution that it's not operatic at the end. It's just ah, yes, way too cerebral for its own good. That's a mild recommend. Now, all that said, I have a few, my, I'm putting all my chips to the table, and I'm going to say Eric Holmes did not even. It might not even be a mild recommendation for Eric Holmes. Are you going to surprise us with this? You might have liked it more than me and Bruce, or do you actually like it a little bit less than both of us, Eric Holmes? I thought this was a great movie that was edited poorly to make it a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what um, you're saying. What we're saying, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a, most of, most of this. I was kind of going through. And uh, fr- first of all, the the trailer on this because I, I believe we covered this on cinematics. This looked like it was going to be like maybe a possible tearjerker kind of movie, but uh, it wasn't that. It just was kind of uh... so they they cut it together like uh, the Tree of Life, Terrence Malick's Tree of Life, or in the movies he's done since then, which those totally work because I I love Tree of Life. I think the issue with this was they had some cool ideas, but they spent too much time on things that didn't matter whenever they go to the, the dad's like work or whatever. I'm like, okay, why, why are we here? I don't care. Like what, what's going on with the mom? Like, Oh cool. She's talking to someone else. What was that have to do with her family? Like they, they keep cutting to scenes that don't have anything to do with the heart of the, the heart of the story, which is uh, her leaving her family and then her family dealing with that. And every once in a while they come back to it. And there's there's a, there's one part you can cut this if this is a spoiler, but this yeah, is kind of what I th- this is what kind of what I think happens. So I don't think this is actually what happens in the movie. Um, but there's a part where the dad's talking to her to the mom, and she's not there, and it's like, oh, she's dead. So I I, I don't know it, it, if you think that's a spoiler, cut it out. I don't think that's the. That's not. That's not I don't think that's a spoiler. That's just a discussion of the movie. And okay. Maybe, okay. My, maybe my me saying it's not a spoiler. It's kind of a spoiler, but I don't know. Bruce, but, what but, do you think? But but, yeah. but but my thought my thought on that is, oh, she's dead. She didn't run out on her family. She she died early on, and so and so that's kind of how I was seeing the movie. I'm like, oh, okay. This, this movie has a whole different whole different kind of take on it. She didn't leave her family. She left her family through the mortal coil, but she didn't leave her family like abandoning her. So this is kind of an interesting thing to see how family might um, react to different ways of someone reacting to someone's death. And then the movie goes on. Oh no, she's not dead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right, that, right. That, I, I, I basically right there. I just made a different, better movie in my head than what what's going on. Well, does on. that make the movie better for you though? If you're actually thinking these no, thoughts, no, no, because it, it doesn't work. Because as the movie goes on, okay. that that idea that I had in my head just it, it doesn't play out. And this that, is and a that's movie where that, it, the the I, revelation should make it all like go. Oh my god! Yeah. Right. And it doesn't do that. <laughs> but see, but see that that's why I think this movie is a failure on editing because I think they have all the pieces there. Yes, they they they've shot all the scenes, they have all the performances and everything, and it, obviously they had the script because that's what they shot. But I think if they went through and got a little more focus in on the editing and kind of uh, did some rewrites through the editing 
I think this could be a really fantastic movie. But as it is, it just seems kind of a mess, and it's just a lot of nothing happening. And I, I think all the all the interesting things that got out of it was stuff I put into it and not that I got from the movie itself. Look, I, I agree with you. The stuff that you put into it, and the only thing I will, you, you and I slightly differ, and I, I don't know where Bruce uh, weighs in on this, but sometimes when you, I feel like, I don't know. My thing is when you when you ascribe something to a movie, it's like the whole Blade Runner 2049 character with uh, with Ryan Gosling when he feels like he's on this grand mission because he is. Oh, well, that's kind of a spoiler, but we, but the, the ultimate situation is he ascribed a lot more value to his mission than what his his actual place in the world was. It's a lot of things that you ascribe to this movie. I think for me, it makes it the movie watching experience, even though it wasn't, that's what it wasn't what the movie was about, but the fact that you're, it got your mind going to different places. I don't know. It's kind of cool for me. I was able to go, my mind was able to go different places. And I think that's why for my rating, I'm giving it three stars. But like you said, Eric, it had so many of those pieces in the actual movie that they just needed to get it together. The ending, like Bruce said, could have been just such a powerhouse ending because I know what they were going with the ending in my read. And the filmmaker, I think his name is Matthew Almerick, and he's also an actor. I think he just held back a little bit too much. So I'm giving it three stars. Bruce, final thoughts on this movie before we go? Did you feel like you ascribing something could make the actual movie better? Like Eric's going through this thing in his head or, you know, no, I, same here. Would you give a movie a little bit of a better review if you... If it makes you go through these kind of situations, even though that's not I its mean, intent, maybe. But then that's on you writing a movie that isn't actually there to some degree. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, so I think that if I'm asking myself, like, what is the movie trying to to achieve through that last half of the movie? I think it kind of fails, and that's kind of the problem. But I, I still give it three stars because, like I said, her performance is so great, and I think there is a lot. There are moments in this movie that are pretty amazing. But it's just the whole itself that doesn't quite gel together. And I would say it's only worth a mild recommend if this seems like something you might be interested in. If this does not seem like your kind of movie, I would not mildly recommend it to you because it's not going to win you over. Like Petit Manman might win you over. This would not. So, Eric, what's your rating on this? We gave it three stars. Are you giving it a little bit? Are you on the three-star bandwagon or are you giving it a little bit lesser? Because of no, I'm probably going a lot lesser. This is, this is a movie that needs to percolate more. Um, it, it's, I think it, I, I think throw down the hammer, throw down the, what, what is it? The, the, anvil? The, the footage that they shot, there's a good, there's a great movie in there. They need, they need to go back and kind of do a redo. Um, almost like, uh, we, we have all the pieces and we put, we started gluing pieces of the puzzle together and it looks like a puzzle glued together. Like you need to go back and, and actually kind of be a little more methodical in how you're putting this thing together. Um, I think it's just kind of a total mess. And on top of that, like as far as like, uh, audience goes, it's on, it's kind of comes off as indie porn, which is even worse because I like, Look, it, if you do a if you do a Star Wars and it's a mess, the audience will forgive it because they're all in on Star Wars and they don't give a shit. If you're an indie porn movie like this one is and you're a mess, the audience is not going to forgive it. In fact, the audience probably isn't going to come there to begin with. And then when they get there, you're just going to turn them off almost immediately. And mm-hmm. so this this movie's kind of a failure on just about every aspect imaginable. One star, but, negative negative three thousand. But the thing is, there's a brilliant movie in there. They just need to. They just need to. They need to keep it in the oven a little bit longer. They pulled it out too early, I think. 
Uh, I, I'm going like one and a half on this. One and a half. One and a half. Very but good. Like you get, you get the you get, you get the you get the raw footage and like kind of kind of go over this one again. This could easily be like a four four and a half star movie. But Bruce, it's, but as it is, it's not there like even close right now. Wow, Bruce, I don't understand how Eric can give this one. Actually, I don't understand how you and I can give this three stars and we hammered the movie more than Eric did. Eric was a lot kinder and he gave up. I think it's well, it because Eric's a nicer person than we are. I, I, I see the potential. I see the potential in this. They just didn't achieve that. I think for myself, I'm more forgiving to this kind of movie out of the gate. So it doesn't, it, it, it has to go harder to like make me go lower <laughs> on it. Whereas certain other movies are the opposite. You know what I mean? Like certain other movies have to do more to get me to that point. I mean, perfect example, we just talked about the Enforcer. The Enforcer had to go farther to get me up to three <laughs> than this one had to go to keep me at three. Yeah. That's so. what makes the Enforcer five star movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I can't say it's, it's not all context, terrible. really. Yeah. Okay, speaking of context, look, there's a review that says Hold Me Tight ultimately is an, a life-affirming movie. Eric Holmes, is it a life-affirming movie for you as far as what it had to go? What The message. Was the message a life-affirming one? This is my question to you, and then we're going to talk about it. In our, and we're not going to do a spoiler for Hold Me Tight. No. Hold Me Tight is uh, don't don't come cl- don't come stand so close to me. That's, that's our review, essentially, what this movie is about. But do you think it's life-affirming, Eric? No. Hold Me Tight is kind of like a, a Petite Maman or um, – a- Fuck! What was the one we did last week with uh? What? Yeah. Which one? The the burn the house down. Burn the house down. Burn the house uh, down. Wait, there's a burn the house down movie last the, week. The one kind of like Wind River, the Taylor Sheridan type movie. Oh, oh right, right, um, God's Country. Yeah, God's Country. Yeah. Yeah, God's Country. Uh, it reminded me of the beginning of Petite Maman in God's Country, where it's like, oh god, this looks fucking stupid. <laughs> and it but stayed where there. The, where Petite Maman in God's Country kind of came around, and then went back to the beginning. I'm like, oh, I see what they're doing. This one never did that, and it okay. just kind of it kind of got more messy as it went along. Okay, that is Hold Me Tight. Again, it's going to be actually in theaters in LA markets this Friday, September 23rd, and it's going to be in other markets throughout the throughout the next couple of weeks. It's a it's an indie film. So, it's headlined by Vicky Creeps, and again, like Bruce is saying, if you have any kind of goodwill or investment in Vicky Creeps as an actor, this is Bruce at least at the very least, this is worth watching, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I think so. That's probably what what keeps it above a lower grading for me. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. yes. You know what? Vicky Creeps, she's great in Phantom Thread. Maybe you watch that instead. Yeah. <laughs> you watch that instead. Or Bergman Island. Or bro. <laughs> don't no talk comment. to Eric Holmes. Eric Holmes, <laughs> don't bring Bergman. I, I, I will say, I will say Bergman Island, even though I didn't like Bergman Island, I think that one's a little more, a little more focused. Bergman Island's a example of a movie I just didn't like. Not mm-hmm. to my taste. Not right. a bad movie. Mm-hmm. This one, I think, is kind of broken in some ways. Okay. Fair enough. Hold me tight. Next up is this movie called The Justice of Bunny King. I This is such an interesting movie because we're going to be doing a little very quick spoiler right after the episode ends and we'll put it up on our findyourfilms.com site and maybe we'll, we'll also put it up on our YouTube channel. We have two YouTube channels, our Deepest Dream YouTube channel, which has our featured reviews as well as our Cinematic YouTube channel, which has clips from our podcast and different stuff that we've curated as interviewers. Okay, so The Justice of Bunny King stars S.E. Davis as a woman. I believe it's this movie set in New Zealand. She's a woman. She Her, her job, her daily job is she, what's, what's that squeegee thing? She wipes people's windows when they're in the middle of traffic. Yeah, just to get sit to, on the side of the road and clean their windows. Yeah, that's how she, them to or not. 
<laughs> right. Whether they want to, yes. And she tries to make some extra pocket money. Well, this pocket money is her way of living. Okay. She doesn't have a home over, she doesn't own a home or an apartment. She's living with her sister and brother-in-law and their daughter. And the bottom, the main challenge of the justice of Bunny King is Bunny King is trying her best to regain custody of her two kids. One of them is a disabled daughter. She looks like she's maybe, I'm guessing maybe five or six or maybe four or five. And she has an older, she has a, the son, who's the older brother, I think he's, a, I mean, I'm guessing maybe nine or 10. So she loves her kids to no, to no end. And that's the, that's the pros of being Bunny King. And that's also the ultimate con of being Bunny King. When you love someone so much and you want to protect them, sometimes through different, through a set of circumstances or through different people's eyes, your actions may be construed as harmful to the kids. You might find yourself behind the proverbial eight ball in society, and that's where Bunny King finds herself within the fabric of this movie. It's really a movie about a mother who's trying to get her kids back, but maybe she goes a little bit too far at seeking justice for her and protection for her own kids, and it leads into a, let's say, a dog day afternoon. Dog day afternoon has been referenced a lot in these film reviews. There is a dog day afternoon sequence that is in the movie as well. This is movie has a lot of things going for it, especially we're talking about great performances. This is a powerhouse performance by Essie Davis. Really loved her in this movie. Thomas and McKenzie plays her niece. She is a supporting character as well in this movie, but the, the big showpiece is Essie Davis in this film. Eric Holmes, let's start off with you. The Justice of Bunny King. I really fell for this movie. Did you, did it work for you? Yes. Uh, uh, by a lot. Um, the the main character, I like what they did with her because she's not. They don't stereotype her. They don't put her in a box, or they no. They they don't apologize patronize. for her yeah. too much. She's definitely flawed. Uh, she's not. If I'm working for child services, she's not someone I would give. She's not someone I would give uh, their child back to um, because she does. She uh, a lot of her actions are based on her emotion and she can't seem to handle that. And she definitely has some mental problems, not like, uh, you know, that the mental problems in the movie are, uh, done real subtly. So, but she definitely has some anger issues and she definitely has some, you know, just uh, certain issues she needs to work out. Uh, she doesn't make the best decisions and a lot of the decisions she makes are, the ones that I think most people can look at before they do them and go, yeah, we're not going to do that. That's going to end very badly if we do that. On the other hand, she does love her kids. And so there's that. Um, she's ultimately a good person other than, you know, other than her kind of uh, shoot from the hip kind of uh, reactions to a lot of things. Uh, she's ultimately a good person. And I like how this movie kind of uh, shows her because there's a part where she gets uh, a certain wardrobe. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you get to see uh, how different people react to her based on her appearance. And I thought that was a really good kind of addition to this movie. Um, this movie has a lot to say. And the further it went along, the more I, more I loved it. I, I love her character. Her character is heavily flawed, but I, I just love how her character is written. I'm kind of with her most of the time. And I, I also think that uh, the fact that I'm kind of with her makes a lot of this heartbreaking when she does fuck up. Because I'm like, like I wish I was there. I wish you could hold and go, do not. I, I know what you're about to do. Don't fucking do that. You're going to fuck everything up. On yeah. the other hand, something she does absolutely right and gets fucked over for it. And so, the, I mean, this movie is like really complex in just a bunch of different ways. And 
yeah, that, this is good stuff. Was this a tense? This was a totally tense watch for me. Did, did it? Did your tension ramp up throughout the movie when you saw all the predicaments? She was the domino effect of her actions. Um, this was actually kind of a movie I kind of saw where it was going. Um, it 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 was it was tense, but not like uh, oh no, I don't know what's going to happen. It's tense in that. In those kind of movies where, like, I know exactly what's going to happen, and fuck, this suck to watch this uh, play out. But uh, yeah, this is good. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, t- certainly tense, but not tense in a uh, avoid spoilers because you're going to be blown away. You're going to watch this movie, and you're going to know exactly how this plays out because the way that the way it's set up can only play out in one way, and so you know it. it it's just a matter of. Uh, you have all the pieces, you have all the information. Now let's see how the chips fall. Do you agree, Bruce, regarding you, you kind of really know how the it's inevitable, how the chips will play out regarding the justice of Bunny King and then over, your overall impressions of this movie? Um, I guess I'm not sure if I really knew exactly how it was going to play out. I mean, I guess as far as the overall direction she was going, yes. But some of the events themselves, I didn't necessarily see coming the way they did. Um, overall, I liked it. I didn't like it. I don't think as much as both of you, uh, the, if I had a problem, well, it's a couple of problems. One problem, first of all, Essie Davis, we all agree on that. Essie Davis yeah. is, is, she, she goes in 110% and she is, if for people who don't know, I think everyone knows she's in Babadook. Yeah. If, if you don't, she is, uh, <laughs> she plays a very different character in this, uh, but equally is impressive. Um, I want to see her in more stuff and I don't think I have. Yeah. The problem I had with this movie is that so we watched not too long ago Breaking. And Breaking had stuff where you're like, this couldn't be real, and it was real. This movie felt more written to me. Like a lot of the stuff I watched in this movie, I didn't I didn't it it felt like someone's version of what they think this stuff would be, but it didn't feel authentic to me. And I don't know if I mean I could be absolutely wrong. This could be based absolutely on a true story but it didn't feel like it to me. And I was almost the opposite. I I did like it. I'm going to recommend it for sure, but I'm kind of the opposite of Eric. The more it went along, the less I liked it. Uh, It became to me more and more kind of a little bit cartoonish, just a little bit. It's just a really edge of the tone thing where parts of it just felt like, ah, it's just a little bit, it's cranked up a little bit too much. I don't quite buy it. I don't quite believe it. There's a scene. I'm not going to say what it is in the last act there's an event that they are uh, that is occurring as they're in that last act, and I thought this is just trying way too hard to be emotional, and and what they're doing in that scene in that place while they're waiting in that place, I was like, oh no 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 no, this is corn. This is going corny at this point, and I couldn't buy it. And there were certain things about that scene I didn't understand either. And we're gonna talk about spoilers. There's something about that last scene. I'm like, why doesn't a person that's in that situation? just do something. Yeah. I can't say what it is, but they didn't do something. So for me, it kind of felt less and less satisfied as it went. It was almost too heightened. I would have liked it to be more just like a day in the life. I would have liked mm-hmm. to have continued a day in the life with her and had the stakes. The stakes are high enough in her actual life without making the stakes cartoonishly high in the outside world too. So that's kind of my, I guess my big knock on it. So it's what keeps it from being great for me. Yeah. I, I went the other way with you. <laughs> like when it got, when the reality got heightened, I just, I slopped it up. I, I Yeah. I started I, laughing at it a little bit. That's not um, what you want to be doing. Right. I was laughing. I was, I was really into it. So look, good, the good news is listeners, you, you have two different 
uh, I guess, takes. Uh, Eric, your take when it got to that heightened reality, were you more checked in? So you were more checked into it a little bit. Do you slightly disagree with Bruce, or or were you on the same even plane when it got to that plot point? So I'm not exactly sure which part Bruce is talking about, but I think, but I can think of a couple parts that kind of. Let's uh, just say decorations were involved. Well, there's that, but I mean, the the part of uh, when something happens, just say something. There's more than a few times that could have happened. And I think that's more her character, just not being able to focus on. That's not what I'm talking about, actually. I'm talking about a character that's in that situation with Bunny King could have just done something. But they didn't do it, and I wasn't oh, sure why. All right, so what? Yeah, we'll, we'll just have to wait for spoilers on that. But I, I, I will at least what Bruce said. What I, I misconstrued then is uh, some stuff that kind of bugged me was uh, when things happen, say something. Yeah, <laughs> and she didn't say something. But I saw that more as her character just being unfocused. So I, I didn't see that as a, I didn't see that as a hole in the writing. I saw that more as a, uh, as a care, uh, decision on writing the character, uh, more than anything. And honestly, I've seen people do that, that stuff sometimes. And I've also seen a version of that where it doesn't work very well. Barbarians, sorry. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but, okay. Yeah. Bless, but, uh, bless you. Excuse you, Eric, on that. Sorry. I, I, I had a little frog in my throat there. I totally see what Bruce is saying. And he's not wrong. And I'm actually kind of really curious to get into spoilers on this one. All right. Well, I, 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 I want to get a little more detail than what he's talking about there, because I think I'll probably agree with him on that, too. But overall, this movie just kind of worked for me. So uh, what, whatever shortcomings it had, um, I just kind of let it go. All right, so that is our review of the Justice of Benny King. After we do do, do this, pretty much do this re- uh, episode right now, and we're gonna do a spoiler, very quick spoiler on the Justice of Benny King. So check that out on our YouTube channel or on our podcast as well for Benny King. So my rating for this movie, this is a solid recommend for me. It opens in select theaters September twenty third, which is Friday, and it will hit on demand the following week on September thirtieth. I'm giving this a solid four star rating for the Justice of Benny King. Your rating, Eric Holmes. I'm probably the same four stars. Okay, four stars for Eric Holmes yeah. and Bruce Perky. I'm only a half star less, three and a half. So I'm not that you far behind you guys. <laughs> How dare you, Bruce? So I didn't hate it. Don't worry. <laughs> no, that's a solid recommend. Three and a half is a is right right at the baseline. It's like solid recommend on yeah. So if it's on demand, all of us, all three of us will recommend it. So use one of our affiliate links and purchase it, and we get all that sweet cash. Eric Holmes, what do you think about that? You want people to to purchase uh, the Justice of Bunny King on on demand? Or yeah, you... and I can finally start cleaning, stop cleaning windows. Right, that, stop cleaning that, windows. That'll be nice. Oh my gosh, Essie Davis is fantastic in this movie, especially look like Bruce said. If you like the Babadook, if Essie Davis has anywhere been and, in your yes, and she was the mom in the Babadook. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, I, I like, <laughs> like I, wait a second. <laughs> well, because I, I saw the Baba Duke. I didn't. I didn't love the Baba Duke, and I think I came at that late because everyone was like, "Oh, it's the greatest movie ever made." I came in going, eh, that's fine." I I didn't realize I was the same person. She's mm-hmm. better in this though. I I like her a lot more in this one. Okay, so that is a really wonderful movie that. We, I, I think all three of us recommend The Justice of Bunny King. Hey there, classmates. Tune in to Middle Class Film Class every Monday and Wednesday for weekly movie news, streaming picks, and one deep dive review. The Batman trailer. There was a teaser. There was a trailer. Trailer one, trailer two. Final trailer? I don't know if it's the same one. How many trailers do we need exactly? Leave an email or a voicemail to join in the discussion. Bullshit artist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy. All That's right. awesome. 
You're going full Danzig. Right, I am. My my trans you have no power over me. <laughs> <laughs> now, our final featured for this week is a documentary called Young Pluto, set in I believe in uh, North Belfast, and it's in the, the school, private school. I believe is it a private school or a public school? It's Holy Cross for boys. And it centers on the life of these boys in the school and the principal. I believe his name is Kevin McRavey. And it's a very interesting documentary, Young Plato. It's how this principal slash teacher, Kevin, he helps his, his fellow, uh, his fellow students learn about the importance of thinking for themselves via different philosophers using the philosophy from different people, philosophers they, they learn about how to actually properly argue or just bring up different points in philosophies and respecting your fellow neighbor and their opinions. It's a really I, a lot of positive. This is a positive documentary in so many different ways, and I really loved it. Young Plato again set in North Belfast, and it's a very interesting. It, you get, by the end of this documentary, you really get a good lay of the land regarding the sectarian violence within the area, a little bit of the history. It doesn't really delve deep into it, but it gives you paints a big enough and broad enough picture so you understand what these boys are going through on a daily basis, what the principal as well as the assistants and the teachers are going through in the school. It's not some kind of um, preachy documentary about the importance of learning about Plato or Socrates or these or the you know or, or all these other great philosophers. It's actually a very hands-on look at how a teacher tries his best to connect with children by using philosophies from of old. So I really was locked into young Plato. Eric, we know how you feel about this. We haven't actually gleaned or gotten any kind of information from Bruce Perky regarding this documentary. Eric Holmes's interview with the co-director and Kevin aside, what did you unbiasedly think about this documentary, Bruce? Uh, I think it's a really good documentary. Uh, you talked about how you start out and you kind of you meet the um, Kevin McCarvey. McCarvey, yeah, yeah. Kevin, yeah, no, no, it's Kevin McCarvey, yeah. Um, how he kind of has this this whole idea of teaching pretty little kids to these kids aren't like super old that he's teaching philosophy to. In fact, a lot of people are like, oh wow, that's kind of weird teaching like all this highfalutin philosophy. And he talks about what do they get in the what do they call it the the philosopher's circle or something? I forget what it is. The Socrates circle. Yeah. So they do this whole thing, and they're you know they're probably what like ten ish. Yeah, nine, nine or ten. 10. Mm -hmm. And at first you're like, okay, that's interesting, and his obviously his thing, but then. I think the thing that really gives it an interesting context is when they do start showing the kids and talking to the kids about the conflict in Northern Ireland and the Catholic and Protestants and all the stuff going on and literally showing them pictures and saying like, this happened right outside our doors, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And I think, I, like you said, they don't go too deep into it, but they kind of do go deep into it because that whole context is being demonstrated to the kids as it's being demonstrated to us. And that really shapes everything. You know, you're in a Catholic school with these kids and you start to see the levels of anger and violence. And maybe they have a hard childhood or maybe it's just they've they've grown in an environment that's really not conducive to them succeeding. It's conducive to them going out on the streets and going various bad ways. So in a lot of ways, this is similar to like, you know, you see a similar teacher in inner city, pick your city in the US, you know, where people are dealing with poverty and crime and violence. It's a version of that, but it's societally instituted almost to the point they 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 get into the 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 murals. There's like this whole mural, I don't know what you call it, a mural society in that city where you have murals of different groups that kind of display 
where you stand and you do you stand with that mural on the building three doors down or do you three doors down uh, or do you stand <laughs> with the mural outside the school so there's a lot of really interesting subtext and context within these kids lives um and then you slowly start to meet you meet a lot of the kids but there's a few kids that you follow a little more closely and and the the way they're coping or not coping with each other and with just being a kid in the world in that world. And that's where I think it gets really fascinating when you start seeing those kids. And if I had any knock ins movie, if there's anything that keeps it from being instant classic, you know, kind of takes it down to a slight notch. Um, I wish we had more. I feel like this, this, I feel like this movie wanted to be longer, but the pandemic literally cuts it off. And in the movie, you kind of feel that. And I feel like they probably, and and Eric might've asked this question or he might've talked about it. I feel like this movie probably wanted to film for three or four years to get, to follow some of these kids for a longer period of time, but you kind of lose that a little bit at the end. So that would be my only kind of slight drawback, but that's a pretty slight drawback. It's it's pretty excellent. That's not even a complaint. You just wanted more from the film. <laughs> yeah, you want more. But I mean, I think that would have been really valuable because part of the thing is watching his techniques and how he approaches with this kind of really peaceful humanity, but also teaching them how to question things. You want to see how that works or doesn't work with these kids and you don't get as much time to really see it work or not work. Yeah. And I, I wanted just a little more of that. You kind of get hints of it, but not that full, the full result, you know, I, I, I will say we're not, uh, we're not reviewing my interview. But uh, he does in the interview. He does talk about the kids going to watch the actual documentary, ah. and and then their reactions, re- reactions, and their parents' reactions to that. So, uh, yeah, check out the interview because it's a good one. Should have filmed that. Add <laughs> <laughs> that to the end. Well, Eric, um, there's there's a little bias with our with your review because you love this movie, and I mean, obviously, yeah. you loved it before you d- you did the interview. But just your, yeah. your overall take on Young Plato. So I I think I think what this uh does best is um there's a teacher that that uh does what he does here in the states and probably in other areas and that same teacher doesn't have the support system oh you can't say that to the you can't talk to the kids about death you can't talk about kids about that tragedy you have to sugarcoat everything i mean think of what we learned about uh slavery or any war in elementary school because these are elementary school kids essentially i I think a lot of teachers are kind of cut off at the knees um when they're trying to do the best that they can with their kids and i think this uh this documentary isn't that at all I, and this documentary is a very positive one, and I think it works best because it's not bubblegum. It's, hey, look, this can work. Here's a guy that did it, and it's working. Like, I, I think more than anything, this is kind of a documentary that shows what's possible when teaching kids. And it's just uh, it's a positive example of uh, sometimes when you think outside the box, you don't have to be scared. You just have to you have to have a good support system. And you have to have someone that knows, um, that has the, the children's best interests at heart. And if you have those two things, you can do great things with kids and you can become a great teacher as a result. And I think that's what he is. And I think that's what this documentary kind of represents. Um, I, I do agree with Bruce that I wish this would have went on longer. I know they don't typically do sequels to documentaries, but I, I would love to see like kind of a follow-up uh, sequel to it or uh, maybe with the same kids or kind of see him with another group of kids. Maybe I think this is just a good, uh, I, I think this is a good example. Kind of like when with writing, writing with fire, we watch writing with fire. 
And uh, it's like, hey, you know, if you're working in journalism, watch Writing with Fire and then do that because this this is the this is the example of what you want to do. Um, I think Young Plato uh, is good for any teacher to watch. It's like, hey, this guy, you know, this guy has the cheat codes. Watch this movie and follow what he does. And more importantly, um, if you have a teacher like that in your area, uh, get behind them. You know, get a support system because I think uh, one of the because it, it, it's not just Kevin working on a, his own. He he has a support system in the school, and without that, what he does gets shut down almost immediately. But he doesn't because he's got the support system, and that's important too. I I think this is just a good uh, overall. This is good uh, kind of uh, how to guide on how to teach children. Cool. So that is young Plato. Yeah. And here's a good, a really cool thing. The movie starts off with Kevin driving into to school. Okay. To, driving to Holy Cross. And I think he's singing some kind of Elvis song in the car. Oh, there's lots of Elvis. So there, there's lots, <laughs> there's lots of Elvis in here. He's a big Elvis fan. And then you see moments of him working out as well. Shows how focused he is. And there's a couple of cutaways to the book that he really loves. It's a book called the daily stoic, which I'm sure you can get on Amazon. I'm, I'm eventually going to buy the daily stoic. That's a, that's a book on Greek philosophers that I've been meaning to buy for years. And it's great to see it actually prominently placed in this documentary. But I think what's really cool about this, you think it's going to be a story about Kevin McRavey. And really, you don't get to see a lot of his own personal life. He's in it a lot. But the, the crux of it is him working with the kids. And when you listen to the kids who are, even though they are kids, they are so well-spoken and you get to see these children, these boys really express their feelings. How, what's going on at home? How are they getting, when they punch their fellow classmate, how do they get out of it? Do they feel remorse? You, it's a really great dialogue and it's not one second of it is boring. I was very, actually, when you hear the kids and you listen to them talk about how they implement these philosophies in their own lives and trying to work out their own issues. I think that's the most important and most arresting part of Young Plato. Very, very good movie. Very, very good documentary. So for me, Young Plato gets four and a half out of five for me. That's my rating. Bruce, your rating on Young Plato. Um, I'd probably go four stars. And I would definitely say you can adopt that little kid's hand technique on uh, not being angry anymore. (laughs) I love that kid. Right. So there's a lot of really cool things you can learn from the kids in this in this documentary. Very, very interesting documentary. Again, so Bruce gives it four. I give, give it four and a half. Eric, what is your rating on Young Plato? My heart wants to say five, but I think kind of to Bruce's point, uh, probably four and a half because it does feel incomplete, but that's not – you know that that's not on the movie. That's just on the the things that happen around. You put this along with the young Plato two, and uh, we got a we got a five star sequel there. <laughs> okay, so that is Young Plato. It's releasing in New York at the Angelica Film Center on September twenty third, as well as again September thirtieth in Washington D C, Dallas, San Diego, Sacramento. Um, Plano, Texas, Fairfax, Virginia, and more cities. So we'll have a link to where you actually can check this movie out. Again, only in New York this Friday, September 23rd. So September 30th, if you want to check out a really great documentary, go check out your local theater. It might be playing there. So that is our featured reviews this week for Find Your Film. What's up, listeners? Force 5 is a show about movie-related top five lists, hosted by me, Blacklist screenwriter and ex-video store cinephile Jason Kleberg. I have a new guest on each week, and the guest gets to pick the topic. Past guests have included film directors, screenwriters, actors, critics, comedians, rappers, artists, and other podcasters. Love or hate our picks, you're guaranteed to walk away thinking, what would be on my list? 
Search Force 5 wherever you get your pods or head to force5podcast.com. We're getting, we're going to do some kind of quick little, we're going to be doing more recommendations on Find Your Film, but instead of it being long, feature-esque kind of dissertations, we're just going to go quick lightning round situation. Let's do a lightning round first for this movie called The Woman King. It is headlined by Viola Davis. Eric Holmes, people have money in their wallet. They have their credit cards ready and available if they're not part of the whole AMC kind of plan. Is it worth watching this weekend or this week? Worth watching, period. If so, why? Absolutely. I believe the uh, filmmakers of The Woman King saw Black Panther and go, that's pretty good. Let me show you what you did wrong. (laughs) And then they just made a badass movie uh, with a bunch of awesome action. Viola Davis is a complete badass uh, the drama in this is awesome, and the all the stuff dealing with the slavery of the time and era um, is very kind of uh, a, a lot different than a movie, a lot more uh, morally ambiguous than a movie uh, like this usually is. Uh, this is a great movie to watch in theaters, and it's very action-packed, but it's also uh, real considered and... I wouldn't be surprised if this was up for Best Picture. If you were an Academy member, Eric Holmes, would you nominate The Woman King for Best Picture? Would it be one of your nominees if you had a whole slew of selections? Um, Well, it would definitely be under um, The Long Walk. (laughs) There's (laughs) definitely a couple it would be under. But this is like, this this seems like an Oscar type movie. Like, it's just, look, if Black Panther can be nominated for Best Act or Best Picture, that. This is a no-brainer. The woman came yeah. so good. Our Cinematics Facebook group member buddy, Kenneth Cunningham, said, I think on our Facebook group, he said this today. He said, Greg, leave your house. Go see The Woman King. Yeah. I don't like I don't like to listen to people. I might not listen to Kenneth Cunningham. Oh, Should I well, listen then, to Kenneth Cunningham? In, in that case, stay home, Greg. Do not watch Woman King in theaters. <laughs> but if I were to go out to watch it, it it's definitely worth as me being an agoraphobe just to go out and the theater. It's worth watching in theaters, not just because of the action. The actual story is substantive. That's a, a, the, the whole thing. The the uh, the cinematography, the background, like everything about this is beautiful, and and also it's another uh, John Boyega banger. Uh, we we just we just watched Breaking, and this one's not at all like Breaking, but it's great as Breaking is. So five stars. Here it comes. Yeah, fuck. Why not? Why not? I, I had a great time watching this, and I, I I feel like I got a lot more out of it than I thought I would have otherwise. Okay, five-star banger for Eric Holmes for The Woman King. Check it out in theaters. Bruce, I, I don't know. You don't have time to do things. Are you going to actually backtrack and actually watch The Woman King or wait for it when it gets streaming, when it hits streaming? I, I really want to see it. I can only go to so many movies, and actually – uh, Woman King is on my list, so I may sneak out to it. I, I have to go farther away now because they got rid of the theater in my town, so now I have okay. to go to a town over. So, but I will okay. watch it at some point. Okay, I know. Last week, I don't know if I trust you because I think last week or the last couple of weeks, you you want you really want me to see the latest Thor film. So I don't know about you. Should I should I watch? Should I watch the new Thor film? What do you think? Do you still stand by that uh, assessment? Thor? Um, I actually canceled Disney Plus, so no. <laughs> <laughs> you canceled, you, I think he canceled Disney Plus because he loves Disney so much he didn't want to be away from Disney Plus. Is that correct, Bruce Perky? You wanted to, <laughs> no, no comment from Bruce Perky. Well, you know what? I'm going to make you comment about something. I'm going to ask, okay. you, ask you regarding Pearl, I, I guess a prequel to X, Ty West X, I believe that's the name of the movie. Yep. Is it worth watching? You said this movie's underrated. You went to a th- movie theater with hardly anybody there. Uh, maybe some a row- some rowdy moviegoers. Was it worth the money that you spent to go see Pearl? Uh, so why? 
Absolutely, yes. Uh, the biggest thing about this is I think it's one of the first times I can think of in the same year where the same director has come out with two sequels to each other, both so stylistically different, but both excellent. The biggest takeaway from this movie is, unlike X, which is a straight-ahead slasher with all these, like, Friday, no, the Friday 13th, but uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and 70s throwbacks, this is more like if you had a story that's kind of like the the prequel or the making of a Norman Bates, but in the world of Wizard of Oz, that kind of gives you the, the tone of what this movie is. And I would say both movies, but this movie especially, is a coming out party for Mia Goth as one of the great actor actresses, actors of our time. Um, that's saying a lot, Bruce. She, one of she, the great actors of our time? Yes. She does a monologue in this movie, which everyone who's seen it has talked about. Um, this is one of this is the award winner for this year for the horror movie actor performance that will not get nominated because it's a horror movie, just like we had with uh, Hereditary and just like we had with Midsummer. There's about a seven minute unflinched, just a camera on her face where she goes through about every emotion you can go through. And it is a tour de force. And this movie for that alone, as a character study of a really interesting, <laughs> stylish movie that has the, the technicolor glory. Uh, if you sound like you might be interested in that, you should go check this movie out. Uh, if you want it to be action packed and a uh, slasher, it's not that. And you're rating up for Pearl. Uh, four and a half right now, which is the same as what I gave to X. Uh, they will both be in my top of the year together. Wow. Wow. Okay. Four and a half right now for Bruce Perky. That is Pearl. And because it's not a slasher, is that why this movie is a little bit under the radar within the first week? Do you, yes. you, know, do you think it'll be okay? Right. This is a movie that'll suffer by expectation, but it's kind of like, to me, it's like Alien and Aliens, right? Like if you're in an action mood, go watch Aliens. If you're in more of a horror mood, go watch Alien. This is the same sort of thing. If you're in one mood, you go watch one. If you're in another mood, go watch the other. They are different movies. Okay, that's very good. This sounds like a really cool recommendation from Bruce Berkey. Uh, Eric Holmes, are you going to be watching Pearl this weekend? What do you think? Uh, probably this week, actually. Hmm. Okay, because you've been... <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see you there tomorrow or, tomorrow or Friday, hopefully. Well, speaking of which, uh, speaking of another recommendation, or is it a recommendation from Eric Holmes? Jeepers Creepers, there's another movie from Eric Holmes. It's called Barbarian. Barbarian... Is it Eric Holmes? Is it one of Eric Holmes' favorite movie? Because th this movie is getting a lot of praise, a lot of praise. It's a box office hit, I think. A lot of, lot of hype behind Barbarian. Is Barbarian Eric Holmes worth the hype or is it overrated? Um, well, Barbarian, uh, it's kind of works almost as an anthology movie. It's not, uh, it, it'd be an anthology movie in as much as Pulp Fiction's an anthology movie. It keeps hopping around to, uh, different, different characters all ending up at the same place. Um, and I would say this movie is pretty much earns its, uh, any accolades it's gotten until the last 10 minutes. <laughs> the last the 10 minutes. Yeah, okay. it, I, it it feels like the uh, writer was just like banging out a masterpiece, and then he had ten more pages left to go, and it's like, hey, uh, Frank, why don't you come in here and finish these last ten pages? And Frank's like, okay, I'll see what I can do. And then all of a sudden, like, look, the the content of the last ten minutes isn't bad, but that's where characters start making really really weird decisions and uh, really weird writing errors start happening where it, look, if you have a gun, use it. If a cop finally shows up and you're like, I've been, this bad thing has happened to me. And the cops are like, yeah, right. We're leaving. And like and all that stuff starts becoming a little too, uh, too convenient for the plot. 
And all that happens at like at the very last 10 minutes. And Were you disappointed then because of that? Oh, minutes? yeah. I was, I was screaming. <laughs> I was trying to not scream because I was in the theater and I didn't want anyone in the theater to be mad at me. But I was like, <laughs> like I was getting really frustrated at the last 10 minutes. And I was getting mostly frustrated because everything that came before it was so well done. Like this was a fantastic movie just in general and add horror movie on top of that. It's fantastic. Like, um the uh what's what's the high tension yeah high tension right high tension is a fantastic movie and then they shit the bed at the very end that's kind of what this does now it doesn't shit the bed in terms of plot uh it's just shits the bed in terms of like uh they start getting lazy with the writing and i think if they would have rewritten that last 10 pages this thing would have been an instant classic well here's the thing it could have been an instant classic 10 minutes it almost did ish the bed what is your overall rating of barbarian and is ultimately just a disappointing film for you eric with everything this was this was almost a 6.9 star movie that last 10 minutes probably brought it down to three and a half it's still a good movie but it could have been great it could have mm. been so great could have been great okay listeners tell us hit up eric holmes at hamslime at gmail.com do you think it's a great movie or do you agree that the last 10 minutes of barbarian was a disappointment to say the least i don't know bruce you're gonna wait for streaming for barbarian you there's too many movies for you to watch on you and eric actually watch more movies than i do every week and they go to theaters you're not well, how come you didn't see this in the theater you were just too busy watching pearl i really wanted to but i had to kind of decide like what movie am i gonna see in the theater and i just ended up on pearl because i could not not watch pearl so that was the one so you could not not watch pearl my gosh four and a half from Bruce Perky three for Pearl, three and a half from Eric Holmes for Barbarian, and last but definitely not least is the five-star banger waiting from Eric Holmes for The Woman King. These are all three movies that are currently out in theaters. Tell us what you think of these respective films. Before we leave, we have a box movie, but before we have a box movie, we've been talking too much. We have to get to the drums. We have to get to the skin beats. We have to get to the pounding of the, of the pavements. Who pounds the best in this in this whole threesome? Is there someone who's a better pounder than us, Bruce? Who is it? And what does he do? And what does he like to beat? Pete, Peter Pounder. Do it. Drop that <laughs> beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? Sorry about that, Peter Panda or Olapa or whatever. Peter Beta, middle class film class. Thank you for your weekly weekly contributions to us here over at the Find Your Film Podcast. Now we're closing out with a box movie. I don't even is Triple B. I mean, it's a Triple B movie. I don't even Bad Boy Bubby. It's a movie that probably people who like movies like The Gray Man and Worship Steven Spielberg like. I don't know, Bad Boy Bubby. That's, that's a take. That's definitely a take. I mean, I know Anderson Kylan talks to me because he never listens to the Found Your Film podcast. He calls me sometimes in the middle of the night and he goes, Greg, you know, you know how awesome The Terminal is? Directed by Steven Spielberg. And then he I just like, hangs up the I, phone. I like The Terminal. You like I, the Terminal? I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. You, as much as you like The Terminal, Anderson Kylan loves it more. Yeah. He also recommends The Green Man. He also recommends Bad Boy Bubby, currently as of this recording, streaming on Tubi. This is a selection from Bruce Perky. Eric actually did his homework, and I, I said, you know what? Starting in about a couple of weeks, we're going to have to join Bruce Perky and, and start watching these box movies, and we're not going to have too much director spotlights anymore. Speaking of which, Eric Holmes, do you have a director spotlight for next week? Did you, did you figure out what movie we're going to review? I do. Uh, with, what is it? Uh, James Bridges. James Bridges, yes. And Starman? We're going to do Starman? Starman. No, that's uh, John the old Carpenter. Man? 
Big, Lebos- Big Lebowski? That's Jeff Bridges, sir. Okay. <laughs> perfect? Oh. Are we doing, are we doing perfect? Oh, yeah. No, it's all right. James Bridges, um, perfect? So we're doing, yeah, we're doing perfect. And we're doing Urban, Urban Cowboy. Cowboy. I think we're yeah. doing Urban Cowboy. Okay. So for our, our last director spotlight, for a little bit of a spell, because Eric and I were going to be part of the whole box movie. Actually, I'm actually going to do my job. Eric's been part of the whole what's in the box movie for since its inception. He does about 80% of the boxes with Bruce. It's just I'm going to do a little bit more work and no, no director spotlight. But one of our last director spotlight will be J- James Bridges, not Jeff Bridges from The Big Lebowski. We're, we're going to be covering Urban Cowboy and Perfect. I think it's one of Bruce Perky's all-time favorite aerobic-inspired films. We'll see what happens. Is it aerobics, Bruce, or is it jazzercise, calisthenics? What's going on in Perfect? What are they working out to? I thought yeah. it was aerobics, but it's been a while since I've seen it. So. Well, I, I guess you're not so perfect. And maybe, hopefully, perfect will yeah. be a perfect movie. We'll see I'm what per- we think. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> we'll see what perf- perfect and Urban Cowboy. We'll see if James Bridges, how interesting of a filmmaker he is when we spotlight him next week on Find Your Film. Now, let's get to our box movie, Bad Boy Bubby, currently streaming on Tubi. Bruce and Eric have seen it. Bruce, first off, what is this about? Why does Anderson Cowan, Steven Spielberg, lover of The Terminal and so many other films... And the gray man, what is, why does he love Bad Boy Bubby? Is it justified? Um, partially justified. Uh, this is directed by Rolf de Heer, I guess it is, here. Uh, this movie, okay, first of all, first of all, <laughs> barrier to entry. Yes. We talk about barrier to entry sometimes. So if you have barrier to entries, this is like a, a wall you can barely see the top of, and there's people up there shooting at you to keep you from getting over it to keep going with this movie. Cause I would say the first 20 minutes of this is an endurance test. You are stuck in this gray, gross room with man, child, Bubby, his incestuous, abusive mother, cat in a cage, which terrible things happen to. And it's just vile and disgusting and gross. And he's stuck in this room and he's been living there his whole life. I guess the best way to think about this movie is if I were to compare it to anything, it would be if you took being there, the movie being there, the idea of being there, and but Bubby is Chance Gardner instead. And then you filmed it from inside the bathtub of Gummo. That's <laughs> probably this movie. Uh, just, I'm just, sick to my stomach just thinking about it right now. <laughs> So anyway, I would say uh, if you can get if you can get past that opening segment, which I would say is about twenty ish minutes long, and get Bubby out into the world, you have a chance of at least enjoying this movie to some degree. Because once Bubby gets out in the world, he is not equipped to deal with the world, and the way he, the things he's been taught are 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 not very useful and not very productive. Uh, and the main way he learns and does things in the world is is mimicry. And he's constantly mimicking people. And then the things he's mimicked in the scene or two before will come out in the next scene and usually in an inappropriate way. But he'll build upon that mimicry and keep going forward and meeting new people. And kind of like we talked about with um, uh, with uh, Big Red One, where it's a movie that uh, kind of keeps going forward and meeting and having new experiences as they go. This does that kind of thing, but in a very urban, like, you know, suburban environment. Now, uh, <laughs> there's a one little interesting fact, and then I'll let kind of Eric chime in on this too. Uh, some of the adventures are more fun than others, but one interesting fact is that when they filmed this, he had 32 different directors of photography because he wanted a different director of photography for every new location. So it would always seem 
different and always seem odd. And you can see Did it when work? you know that oh. sometimes it works gloriously and sometimes it's very uh, strange. Um, but the movie is already strange. So it, it kind of works as far as that goes because this is not a average movie as it goes. Um, I overall enjoyed it, but some parts of it I hated. There is some... <laughs> Yeah, quote. <laughs> there is some animal stuff in this that I absolutely hated and and definitely knocked at least a star off this movie. Um, go ahead, Eric. What do you no, think? No, no, wait, wait. Before Eric goes, yeah. Bruce, Eric, Rotten Tomatoes. What's the Rotten Tomato tomato meter from the critics? Let's get some numbers from you. What do you guys think, though? There, there are 10 uh, reviews. What would you think? 69%. Okay. <laughs> like Bruce? Probably 70%, maybe? 70%. Now... Your 69% is off the table for the audience score. Eric Holmes, what is your audience score for Bad Boy Bubby? What do you think the audience Audience, audience score? Yeah, 5,000 ratings. What I'm do you think? Like 10%. I'm going to say 10%. Okay. 25. 25%. Okay. Bruce is the winner. He's the closest to 25% because, first of all, the tomato meter, 10 reviews from critics. It has a 100% Rotten Tomato score. <laughs> yeah. The 5,000 ratings, I'm assuming one of them is by Anderson Cowan. The, <laughs> it's not 10%. It's not 25%. It is, I'm not kidding you, 88% for Bad Boy Bubby released in 1993. Wow. Okay, That's Eric. That's a fucking lie. <laughs> Eric, I'm, I'm, okay, so, so Eric, I'm transitioning that, to I'm, you. I'm surprised. Yes, 88%. Audience score, do you have any at your surprise? Let's hear what you think about Bad Boy Bubby. Why would, first of all, why would you think the scores would be so high at 88%? Is it, is it, does it maybe, maybe they get it, but yeah, like Bruce said, that first 20 minutes is rough. I mean, you get to watch him fuck his mom more than one time. And that's not the worst thing that happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and it, it, it gets worse from there. Um, but yeah, that, uh, but, Actually, the the critics being one hundred percent kind of makes sense because of what this movie's trying to achieve. I think it nails, um, and you got to get through that because without that opening scene, him going out into the real world just seems kind of silly. But it, you've kind of uh, had a taste of what he's been through for what thirty five years of his life. He said he's thirty five years old, so thirty five years of his life he's. Uh, been living in the squalor, um, only knowing his mom, uh, having sex with his mom often, and uh, kind of learning everything incorrectly. Um, I guess kind of like Dogtooth kind of is a similar thing. But then, yeah, once he goes out into the world, and then just seeing him kind of just kind of all the advent, like once he goes out into the world, that's when it, I, I think uh, being there is a great uh, kind of uh, counterexample of this, um, or uh, something to compare it to. Uh, it it becomes really funny, but yeah, those first twenty minutes. Uh, God what, damn, is this worth? That, is this that, movie rough to get through? Is this movie worth watching? Yeah, um, but like like we stress, you gotta get the, you okay, gotta get okay. through that first twenty minutes. If you can't get through the first twenty minutes, maybe you watch I mean, like five minutes of it. I get the point, and then just kind of skip skip through a little bit. Yeah, maybe. you could almost read about what happens in the beginning of it, and yeah. then just go to the moment where he walks out onto the street. <laughs> this movie turned the guy who played Bobby Nicholas Hope into a cult actor, cult star, and he's actually carved out a really good career from this as a character actor, as I guess bad boy Bobby as Bobby. And so, yeah, this is an interesting movie. I, I have a feeling that I'm going to actually watch this movie and see if I can get this. It feels like a challenge. Can I get through the first 20 minutes of Bad Boy Bubby? Oh my gosh. You're rating Bruce on Bad Boy Bubby. I, 
I would probably give it higher, but that first part is so rough that I'm going to say three and a half, which is still a solid recommend. But oh. considering considering <laughs> it would could have been a lot better if it hadn't had that beginning part. Okay, that's a good that's a good rating, Bruce. Eric, yeah. you're rating on bad by triple Bs. I think on the effectiveness on what it's trying to do, uh, probably five stars. Um, but do I want to watch it again? It's I'm kind of where Bruce is on three and a half. I, I think three and a half is uh, actually three it's, and a half doesn't even seem to be because it's really it, it, what it's trying to do. It does it really well. I just don't want to fucking watch it again. Well, I mean, part of problem. rating is what you think of it too. Yeah, right? what do you think yeah, of it? So, it's what did you rate? Yeah, I, I think I'm with Bruce on this one. Three and a half. Three and a half. Okay, three and a half. Um, it, it, it's a recommend, but it's like a three and a half with an asterisk. Like, you get through that. Get through that first bit, and then, and then I think you'll see the. I mean, there's definitely dark comedy in the first twenty minutes, but I, I think you'll have a lot more fun with it once he leaves the. Once he leaves the house. I just can't wait. Actually, I I will definitely watch Bad Boy Bobby next week. I really know what my review is going to be. I'm actually going to probably give it four and a half stars. <laughs> yeah, and my I'm only caveat, my only caveat is, well, look, it was a five star film for me. But after by after minute 21, it got just a little bit too not so good for me. So, yeah. <laughs> so that'll be so interesting to see what I feel about Bad Boy Bobby. Listeners, tell us what you think. Does this movie... It, Look, in all fairness, you know, I kid around about the whole Anderson and Spielberg and all that stuff. I'm not kidding about the gray man, but he loves Bad Boy Bubby. We'll yeah. have to actually ask Anderson Cowan when I see him next week for, for our cinematics, our sister show, a cinematics, what he thinks of Bad Boy Bubby. Why does he love it so much? At least, Eric, I'm surprised. Uh, what? I, I, I got a good idea of why he loves it so much. What? The bad boy Bobby is such a weird character, and he kind of yeah. he seems to gravitate towards uh, those kind of uh, kind of off characters a okay. little bit. Okay, and, right. and 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 this is the the humor in this, especially especially after he leaves the house, the humor is like all over on Anderson. I think. Okay, fair, fair. Okay, bad boy Bobby, we're done with that for the next box movie, a movie that I promised Bruce Burke to watch. What is it? What's in the box? What's in the breathing box? What's in the box? Well, what's in the box, birds? You won't have to. You might not have to watch it, but you might have to rewatch it because Mm. I am going to finally get around to watching Ace in the Hole. Ace in the Hole. Ace in the Hole. Yes, starring one of Eric Holmes' favorite actors. That actor being Eric Holmes. Who is it? KD. KD. Yes, Douglas. Kirk Douglas. Directed by Billy Wilder. Very interesting movie. Ace in the Hole. Hey, that's a movie that I think is worth. Uh, I've already seen it, but I'm not going to throw in like, I'm not going to do the eccentric that I'm doing on Anderson Cowan next week for a cinematic, <laughs> Cinematics Patreon. What a low class move by me. By the way, for a cin- Cinematics Patreon, we're doing a movie called The Ascent, directed by, <laughs> directed by who? Bruce Berkey, who directed by who? who? Oh, Larissa Shapitko. Larissa Shapitko. Check out our, just our spotlight from a couple of weeks ago and find your film on Larissa Shapitko. Thank you, Bruce, for picking that in 1977. That's one less movie I have to watch for a Cinematics Patreon. The other choice will be a movie called, I believe, Black Sunday Directed by John Frankenheimer, Eric Holmes, or Bruce Perky. Have you seen that movie, Black Sunday? I've never seen it. Yeah, oh, the blimp, the blimp going over the stadium. Yeah. Um, okay. 
Yeah, don't call me that. I'm still trying to lose weight there. Yeah, but yeah, Black yeah, Sunday. Black Sunday. Yeah, Black Sunday. So it's, it's not Black Sabbath. Robert Shaw. No, no, bro, no. And uh, yeah, no. So it's start. I believe it's Robert Shaw, right? Right, Bruce Brooke, that Robert Shaw. Right. right. Yeah. That yeah, sounds right. Bruce Dern's in it as well. So Anderson has seen that two weeks ago, and I, I, I'm dragging my feet. That will be our Patreon episode next week. Eventually, I will watch it, and sure, maybe I'll do a quote unquote rewatch of The Ascent. <laughs> so that is it for our <laughs> episode of Find Your Film, episode 134. Final thoughts from. Eric Holmes. Uh, spoiler alert for Ace Uh-oh. in the Hole. That's yep. a five-star banger. So five star. if, if, if oh, you okay. haven't watched it, just heads up. That movie's awesome. Go check it out. And then, oh. uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Good I, stuff. I, I cannot wait. And, hey, we're, we're going to be on uh, Force 5 soon. So uh, check that out. Yeah, get not, ready not if I, again, not if I can help it. I'm going to email J- Jason Kleberg to make sure that you guys don't show up on the we show. We were going to be on Force 5 soon, but not even long. <laughs> As per usual, we love Force 5, and I'm excited to hear what Bruce and Eric have to say on Jason Kleberg's wonderful podcast. Speaking of which, final thoughts, Bruce Berkey. I would just say, um, close your eyes, click your heels together three times, and say, there's no place like Finder Film. There's no place like Finder Film. There's no place like Finder Film. See you guys next week.